Welcome everyone to the Follow the Yogi podcast. I'm Vicki Santana, your host. Join me every week while I'll share with you mind-blowing secrets of the practice of yoga, the philosophy of it, the physical practice of it, and I tie it all together so we can apply these secrets to our lives. Stay tuned. You might just find a little gem that will change your life. And now, on to our next dose of Follow the Yogi. Hey, everybody. Welcome to How to Harness Your Life Energy. All right. So I want you to think of yourself and the universe as a receiver and a transmitter. Communication in the form of subtle energy is being transferred between us and others, us and the universe, the universe and us, others and us, and everything in between. So there's actually like this beautiful pranic dance of universal energy that's going back and forth and in between. Now this universal energy is the energy that gives life to everything, and it's actually at our disposal 24-7. We just have to teach ourselves and be conscious of it. There's no way to know that this was even available to us, that it vibrated through us until someone tells us. Now, using this level of consciousness now, we can learn to harness life force, energy to create success and good fortune with effortless ease. Effortless. Something being harder doesn't mean that it's better or that we're going to get more results. In fact, what I have found out over a lifetime is that I'm actually tapping into universal energy when the effort is less instead of more. The struggle is less instead of more painful. The emotions are lighter instead of heavier. So we're talking about universal energy. And I threw out the word emotion. And I just want us to remember the Latin derivative for the word emotion is emovere, which basically translates to literally means energy in motion. So at their very most basic level, emotions are just, and I emphasize just energy. The reason I put the emphasis on just is because we give a lot of power away to our emotions. We don't see the space between what we think, what we feel, who we really are, and what kind of an impact that has into what we receive in this lifetime. It also has a really big impact into what we feel in this body because every time our feelings change, because emotions are translated into electrobiochemical signals and they carry those emotional messages to the body, changes in emotions usually translate into changes in the body. Now remember, energy is not destroyed. It's transferred from one form to another. So even if we don't give these emotions their time in the sun, they're still going to reside inside of us. If they, if it becomes chronic, then they settle and they can take on so many different forms of a bad mood, different emotions, illnesses in the body, but we might not be aware that we can actually control this energy, that we actually have the capacity to change it, reverse it, 
extinguish it in the form of translating it into something else. And we might not be aware of the amazing level of power the emotions actually do have when it comes to communicating with the universe, our experiences, and how we tap into it to create positive goodness of life energy for ourselves. Nikola Tesla is quoted as saying, if you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. Now, when we think of emotions as energy, we also have to look at them in regards to their frequency and their vibration. Everything in our universe is made of energy, and the universal laws of physics tell us that like energy attracts like energy. We must become an energetic vibrational match to what it is that we wish to attract in our experiences. Now, we think that if we repress our emotions, put a pin in them for a rainy day and feel them at another time, that that's going to best serve us because we're not feeling them and therefore we don't have to feel the discomfort of them. But listen to this quote or this um, slice out of Molecules of Emotion by Candace Pert. When emotions are expressed, all systems are united and made whole. And that includes ourselves. When emotions are repressed, denied, not allowed to be whatever they may be, our network pathways get blocked, stopping the flow of the vital, feel-good, unifying chemicals that run both our biology and our behavior. So in other words, aside from the universe, let's just bring it down to ourselves. Just because we're not expressing an emotion, just because we're not allowing ourselves to feel the emotion does not mean that it's not going to affect our behavior, that it's not going to affect our thoughts, and that it's not going to transmit out into the universe. And since like attracts like, bring whatever that is back to us. It's this really delicate balance of expressing our emotions, feeling our emotions, really more than just expressing them, feeling them, processing them, reconciling them in a very healthy fashion so they don't stay pooled up, stagnant inside of ourselves, becoming a blockage to the very things that we want. Now, sometimes it feels like it's easier said than done. In our culture, some emotions that we have are not necessarily, you know, accepted readily. Anger, for one, is one of those emotions that for many of us feel that we quote unquote should not be feeling. It's not us in our best light and therefore don't show it, don't feel it, uh, repress it as much as you can because it's not one of, it's just not a popular, presentable, um, may, we may even be thinking that it's not a healthy emotion, but all of our emotions really do have their place. And the moment we start accepting that these emotions live inside of us for a reason, that they're actually great indicators as to what we need to focus on and work on inside of ourselves. And once the shame of expressing these emotions um, goes away, 
that process of actually sitting in our own emotions is actually the key to getting ourselves on a path of getting ourselves what we want. All right, so here's a list of seven or so things that we can do that will contribute to us beginning the open communication between the universe and ourselves, ourselves and other people, and also for that energy to be going in the opposite direction from it or them to us. So let's take the first one. The first one is practicing acceptance. Following the law of least effort instead of resistance, accept yourself, people, situations, circumstances, and events as they occur. This one can be pretty challenging because we see the world not as it is. We see the world as we have been, and we see the world as we want it to be through the eyes of our ego and of our likes or dislikes or biases, our prejudices, uh, our desires. Therefore, if we see things as we, as they actually are, and we accept them, there's a disconnect between what we want, what we expect and what there really is. And for the most part, that may not be what we want to see. Perhaps we don't want to accept that our mate cheated on us. So we go into denial and we try to convince ourselves that that was not the case. Perhaps we don't really want to look at ourselves and acknowledge the fact that maybe the things that we're doing is not giving us the results in whatever we're looking for. It could be losing weight. Maybe we don't want to document the, ca- uh, the calories that we take in. Okay. That's a form of denial and not wanting to see things as they really are. Uh, maybe we don't want to check our credit score and see where we are, because if it's low, it might mean that, you know, we're less than, and we're not working hard enough to keep our credit stellar. These seem like really small things, but multiply them by everything that's going on in our life. And we soon come to see that we're actually creating resistance by not accepting things as they are. Resistance is a huge block. I mean, let's just think of the word itself. When we resist something, we stopped, we're trying to stop it from progressing. And that's exactly when we do what we do when we don't practice accepting things people, everything as it is. Now, by acceptance, I don't mean you have to agree with it. I don't mean that it's not going to change. The act of acceptance is giving ourselves the opportunity to actually see things as they are so we now can actually find the proper, better, more efficient, effortless course of action to call to us what we really want. Number two, practice awareness. Each level of energy vibration holds a particular resonance. I always say in class, this practice of yoga is not about perfection. It's not about perfecting the pose. It's not about 
making sure that we meditate that finite amount of numbers and times a week or minutes at a setting. It's not about um, what the result is. That's a big one. The moment we start aiming for the result of a pose, of a practice, of whatever it is, that measurement is including the ego. And the ego is the most unaware of what's actually going on because the ego tends to be very self-serving, very self-centered. It is an ally for us in the sense that it will do justify, rationalize everything to make sure that we're right. But they're the ones that gave us the idea in the first place, the ego is. So if we don't allow ourselves to practice awareness, we're not going to see things as, we, as they are. So if, if things, including ourselves, are vibrating at a lower level, okay? Because everything has its vibration signature. Sadness, anger, hostility, fear, they vibrate very low. Joy, happiness, and bliss, they vibrate super high. And then, of course, we have the range that's in the middle. If we're not aware of what we're really feeling, if we're not processing what we're really feeling so it can finally move on and go on its little way after we've learned the lesson from it, whether we're conscious of it or not, we are vibrating at those low frequencies if we stay in the mode of anger, sadness, hostility, fear, and the other ones. Just because we're not expressing it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And it doesn't mean that it's not affecting what we're getting in return in our relationships, excuse me, in our relationships from the universe and even from ourselves. And I'll even go this, take this a little further. The entire practice of yoga has everything to do with bringing awareness to ourselves, not to the outside world, because we're acting as a transmitter, a request for what we want. And that is based on energy and our emotions are energy. And if their frequency and vibration is too low, that's what we're going to get in return. Number three, let go of limiting beliefs. I love this one partially because I'm a Capricorn and I love goals, right? But here's the thing. Hmm. The moment I create a goal in my mind, it has been created at this level of awareness, at this level of consciousness, which resides in this realm, which has its own, you know, physical properties. I've created that goal, that desire, that want with my own limiting beliefs that I've acquired over a lifetime. Some of them I'm conscious of. Some of them are imposed on me by culture. Some of them I created for myself as I went through life and experienced happiness, sadness, traumas, all of these limiting beliefs are acting as filters for what we're requesting to the universe for ourselves. Now, this is more of of an art requesting than a science, but paying attention to how we're requesting for things for ourselves, to ourselves, of ourselves really, really makes a difference as to what we're going to um, get back 
Here's a good limiting belief that most of us can relate to. Maybe we come from a mindset of less than instead of infinite abundance. And when we come from a place of less than where we think that abundance is finite and uh, we feel like maybe we're being slighted or something, when we come from that mindset, we become very protective, we become uh, very suspicious, we're fearful of the successes of others and we fear that that success, maybe if they've got it, we don't have it. And that's the mindset of lack of. On the other hand, if we come from a place of infinite abundance, we realize that someone else's success, happiness, whatever it is, has nothing to do with us. And in fact, might be able to be something more of a beacon of hope instead of something to be envious or jealous of. So a limiting belief might be jealousy, envy of another person's bounty without even knowing we actually might be limiting ourselves because if we're thinking of those limitations, if we're thinking that we're less than, if we're thinking that we have less, then we will. Number four, allow happiness. We're never going to find the answer to our experiences solely with logic. And that's a tough one for me. I'm pretty, uh, I'm a pretty logical person. When we're lost in our emotions, we're unable to experience higher levels of energy, higher levels of consciousness, creativity, intuition. Literally the answers are blocked off to us. And the reason being is when we're in these low vibrational emotions, anger, sadness, uh, we're not really thinking clearly. We're more in survival mode than we are in, you know, abundance, prosperity, uh, blissful joy modes. And what that means is we're trying to fix a problem. And when we come at our life as a problem to be fixed, instead of something to be experienced and the volume ratcheted on, um, we're coming from, again, that mindset of less than. This brain is a wonderful machine, but it's a machine and it too is limited. An emotion is an experience of something outside of ourselves, energy that's transferred into ourselves. But if we try to logicize our entire life, we're never going to get the answers that we're looking for because the answers that we're looking for are much deeper than this level of consciousness. And we cannot be contained by this mind. There are going to be answers to our questions that we cannot quantify when we sit in meditation. We can't put it under an x-ray. We can't put it in an MRI. We can't hold it out in our hand and prove it to someone. However, when we experience it, in these deeper levels of meditation, there's no one that can tell me the experiences I've had weren't real. I can't put words to it many times. I can't prove it. Sometimes I can't recreate it on the spot. That's frustrating, but that's the ego because the ego wants to be able to prove it to others. When in fact, all I had to do was prove it to myself. So quantifying our life through logic and trying to figure it out strictly 
through logic, is really going to hamper our ability to allow happiness into our life. Because again, the brain is a problem-solving machine. If we're not allowing happiness and we're just trying to solve problems, well, the life will appear problematic to be fixed instead of to be lived and experienced. Number five, see thoughts and words as actions. I think a lot of times we say things and we think things being under the misconception that they don't have any power, that they don't mean anything because we haven't acted on them. The truth is that our thoughts and emotions, we've already gone through this. They are energy and action is energy. So if we start looking at what we think and what we say, and by say, I don't mean that it's just coming out of your lips. I'm saying you've texted it, you've posted it, you've tagged somebody on it, uh, internally too, you've read it. Um, Once we start seeing what we say and what we think as actual actions that have a ripple effect on the universe, I think we might start not filtering ourselves, but being more conscious of what we say and what we think. Thoughts, words, and deeds are all energies at the level of creation. Remember, this is all the same universal energy. And when we say, when we think, it's just as good as moving this body and moving forward into action. In fact, we're moving bigger things, bigger forces in action to try to balance and bring what we just thought and felt back to us. Like attracts like. Number six, overcome our feeling of separateness. Feeling separate from others is an illusion. We're all one spirit, and feeling apart from the forces around us makes us feel fearful. Iness is a huge component to suffering in, uh, in the practice of yoga, in the readings of the of practice of yoga. We work a lot throughout our entire life to be unique to everyone else. And that's really important, not to our truest of nature, but it's paramount to the ego. So we go through life and we create this uniqueness about us this, and we shower ourselves with, um, um, accomplishments and titles, incomes and material things. I'm not making a judgment call when it comes to any of these things. The distinction here is when we misidentify ourselves, when we think that those things, number one, happen just under our own power, And number two, define who and what we are in our entirety. And that cloak, that jacket of humanity that we put on ourselves actually becomes a hindrance to us connecting with one another. And because we are just one spirit, just in an individual version of the same one, that separatedness we feel alone. And when we're alone, it's a little bit more scarier out there than having, you know, your tribe with you, so to speak. And fear will always lower your life force energy and obstruct our happiness. Last one, feel the energy 
name the emotions, and celebrate those milestones. When someone asks us how we're feeling, we usually have a one-word response. It's pretty, usually it's just one word, um, that is so vague that it actually describes absolutely nothing. We'll say stuff like, fine, good, okay. When a student of mine, when I say, well, how did that practice feel? How did you like the practice? How are you feeling today after your practice? A lot of times they'll tell me good. And then I'll come back and say, what does that mean? Because I really don't know what good means. Good is very subjective. Good doesn't give me any kind of a benchmark to be able to help them uh, to understand where they're coming from and where they're feeling. And here's the rub. When we say that, we ourselves, as we say it, don't know how we're feeling because it really doesn't describe how we're feeling. Now, I'm not saying that every time somebody approaches us and asks us how we're feeling, if we're having a crappy day, I'm not saying that we're going to throw up all of our vriti, all of our mental fluctuations onto other people and start droning on and on and on of what we think is wrong with us and think that's going on in our life because that too will lower not just your vibration, but the vibration of others around you. No. Be more connected to the response. It could be something as simple as, how is that practice for you today? Well, you know, I was really feeling it in the heart space today. Not sure what was going on with the hips, but I couldn't quiet my mind. Or, woof, I transcended. I don't even know where I went, but I had this vibration all over my body. Can you help me understand that? That I can work with. The other stuff of good, fine, and okay, mm, not so much. Because basically they're saying they're okay, and that's you know, a pretty much closed statement of which I can't go in any direction of. So let's bring it into ourselves. Like I said before, I'm not saying that we have to disclose every single emotion that we have at, you know, the, the deep, deep detail to the outside world. That actually would be foolish and it would leave us open and too vulnerable to the outside world. What I am saying though, is ask yourself on a regular basis, hey, Vicky, how you feeling? And when the first answer is good, fine, okay, or whatever your stock answer is, ask yourself, really, how you feeling? Then you'll give another answer. It'll probably be a different one. And then you keep asking yourself the same question over and over and over again, not allowing yourself to have the same answer at any time. And watch how much deeper we can go into our emotions and finally start being able to name and recognize these emotions. The moment we can name it will be the moment that we can actually feel it. Now, by feeling an emotion, I'm not necessarily saying act on it. Those are two different things. Feeling something is something that happens internally, privately, for ourselves, Acting on an emotion is a, is a different thing. It means we're feeling the emotion and we're putting an action behind it to find relief. Here's the thing. You're not going to find relief by putting an action behind an emotion. Let's take anger for an example. As an example, we can scream to the top of our lungs because we're angry at someone and we can shout until we're blue in the face. Chances are after the first paragraph, if not sooner, 
the person that we're angry at and yelling at, well, they've pretty much stopped listening to us. So we wanted to be heard and we probably wanted the situation to be reconciled, but that action of anger, of anger did not, probably won't get us the result that we're looking for. So when I say feel the energy, name the emotion and celebrate the milestone, what I mean is for you, for your own benefit inside of yourselves, name the energy, or I'm sorry, feel the energy. That energy is going to have an emotion behind it. See if you can drill down to see what that actual emotion is. Knowing that anger is sadness and fear is another version of sadness. So getting down and beginning to even be able to realize, to name the emotions that we're feeling is absolutely huge because a lot of us come to our practice late in our, or in our adult life. And we are so detached between our emotions, being able to name them, being able to express them and how they reside in our body. And all of this, uh, vagueness gives mixed signals to our mates, our kids, the universe, and most important to every, anyone than anyone else to ourselves. Because here's the thing, and this is a little off topic from the, uh, using your life force. If we don't know ourselves, how in the world are we ever going to expect anyone to know and understand us if we don't even know what we're feeling? All right. Then celebrate the identification and actually feeling that emotion. I know it may sound actually kind of silly, but it's not. I want us to start paying attention to the milestones, the steps that we're taking along the way to build a strong foundation of beginning to know ourselves as mortals and our higher self as spirit. The moment we are aware of it and we can actually wrap our heads around it begins the process of vibrating, of changing that vibration to bring to us the very things that we absolutely not only want, but deserve. Thank you so much for your attention. Thank you so much. You know, what some people do when they listen to the podcast, number one, they listen to them more than once because this is actually, this isn't just entertainment. I'm actually sharing with you philosophies and concepts that are pretty deep from yoga. They listen to it multiple times. Maybe the first time they'll listen to it in their car and it's entertaining. Uh, then they'll listen to it again when they can actually take notes and apply it to themselves. Even if they just pick up on one gem in every podcast, that's one step closer, right? To understanding themselves at a very deep and profound level. So I appreciate the time that you take listening to the podcast, learning about yourself. And I am super happy to announce that VickySantana.com virtual yoga classes are up and running. I'm in the process of also creating online yoga teacher training, workshops, and a whole slew of things. That's kind of why I've been away from the podcast for about a month, but I'm hoping that everybody out there is safe. Everybody out there is fantastic. And 
that you took some of this time to learn about yourself at a very, very, very deep level. All right. Be kind to yourself. Know that this is a process, not a finish line. And until our next installment to follow the yogi, take care of one another. Deuces.